Open to Mark chapter 4, if you would. Mark chapter 4. Uh, I promise we are going to finish 2 Peter. I'm hoping to get back into that next week. But I uh, wanted to make a stop in the Gospels here. Uh, just thinking again about the, the season that we are in as a church, as a community, as a world. Um, considering the, the greatness of our God. Um, you know, and Mark, Mark is the, the gospel writer who just keeps on moving, you know, immediately, immediately, one event after another in Mark's gospel. And it doesn't take long as you're reading through the gospels, particularly Mark, because nothing takes long in Mark's gospel, that it's really hard to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, this does not come easily. Uh, they need the parables, these stories explained to them because they don't get it. They don't understand who Jesus is, why He has come, and the, the transforming power of the kingdom of God now present on two feet with Jesus. Um, disciples need to, to continue, as we do, we need to continue uh, learning these things. And at the end of Mark 4, the disciples go through this experience. It really just scares the willies out of them, as it would for for any of us, I think, if we would have gone through something like this. But it's the end of the day. Jesus is tired teaching by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so it's time to get some rest. Jesus is the one that initiates this, uh, this action. And Mark, Mark gives the most detail, I think, of this miraculous event. So I'm going to start reading at verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? This is God's holy word. Let's pray together. Lord God, it is Your word to us that does not return empty. You will accomplish all of Your purpose all that you have purposed through your word. And we pray that you would succeed in doing that even now, Lord, as we read and meditate upon this word. Lord, may it deepen our faith as we consider your proximity to us. You are the Holy One. And we fall before you in reverent fear and awe. Lord, work this word into our hearts, into our minds. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So fear or faith? Fear and faith. Two, two main words, main themes that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, fear, something that we are faced with over and over again. Maybe not to the same degree every day. But it's there. Certainly there right now in this moment in history. Just a few weeks. Austin you know, spoke very honestly about uh, the fear we have with all that's going on around us. And what that fear exposes in us. Remember him talking about that? Um, in the culture we live in, and a world that's sustained by sin, and, and where we're just confronted continually um, 
right? living in fear or, or resting in faith. And yet I, th- I think maybe there's a, you know, a corollary to that. Does it have to be one or the other? Can we live by faith and still be fearful? You know, we're, in a, we're in a storm season right now. We heard the, the rumbles again last night, and I th- think you all were in the path of Hurricane Laura uh, as it sort of dissipated and dropped lots of rain this last week. I don't know if I've shared this story before. If I have, I'm sorry. You get to hear it again. Um, but in one afternoon in Colorado, it was a Sunday afternoon, and I'm, I'm putting my feet up, getting ready to rest my eyes, and we hear uh, the sirens. And I'm still trying to figure out the sirens here in Arkansas. Like, is it a warning? Is it go take cover? Is it something coming? I'm not really sure. But I always thought, if, if you hear the tornado warning sirens, that means they've, they've spotted something. And as I looked outside, kind of opening an eye, there was, you know, it looked, it looked clear. It looked fine. And, uh, but, but Katie went to, to the computer uh, to see you know, what was going on. She said, there's, there's a tornado warning for our, our county. Well, that's kind of weird. And so I get up and I, I go out to the porch in my infinite wisdom when there's a tornado warning. Uh, learn from these types of things. And so I went out in the porch and sure enough, as I look to the northwest, the sky is this sort of greenish color. And you know, as the backdrop to this beautiful white funnel crowd descending on our neighborhood. And so I cry, oh, there it is, there it is. Um, and so Katie goes and, and she, she gets, uh, Nathaniel and Hannah were pretty small at that time, and she's, she's grabbing, I'm out there watching the storm while she's doing this. And she's taking the kids downstairs, and then here's another, um, something I don't recommend when you hear a tornado warning. But I took the two kids, and, and I put, uh, went out to the porch with them, and I said, look, this is what we're, this is what we're hiding from. Um, I don't recommend you do that. Go hide. Uh, but it was right in that moment as I, as I was showing them this funnel cloud, that's when the fear really hit me. Like I, I could lose those I love the most. Our house could be swept away. And this can happen like that. that that's when it really sunk in, uh, just how violent you know, these storms can be. And so it was a very healthy fear that drove us to take uh, shelter in the crawl space uh, for a while. Now, maybe you can identify with that type of experience where you have been confronted even just for a moment with the reality that your own life is in peril or what it is you, you hold dear. Um, what you usually love the most is really in jeopardy. Um, you think, well, how does this happen? You know, one moment your, your feet are up, you're getting ready to take a nap, and the next moment you're running for your life, afraid for those that you love. You know, does God, does God care about our fears? Fears that may be very genuine. Or is He indifferent? Sort of unconcerned about those things that threaten us. Well, the story here assures us that He does care. Um, you know, we're tempted to think that we're on our own when, you know, when God you know, has left us, left the church to sort of fend for itself. We'll keep bailing out the water on a sinking ship. That's when he awakes and he says, trust me, trust in, in who I am for you. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of your fear, I am your God. So it's been a long day uh, for Jesus, long day for his disciples. Um, he shared with them several parables. And as night approaches here, he tells them that it's time to get some rest, get away from the crowds. Jesus is likely already standing in the boat while the, the crowds are gathered there on the shoreline. I sort of get that impression from verse 1. So in verse 36, they probably just pulled anchor, just, just as they were, and, and began to, uh, 
to start out across the Sea of Galilee. And these are good-sized fishing boats. I think they're about, about 26 feet long, hold up to 15 people or so. Many of the disciples would have been able handlers of these boats, you know, four at a time, uh, working the, the oars. Um, so they're in, a, they're in a comfortable spot. They know where they are. Um, and Jesus is in the back of the boat, uh, sleeping. Um, definitely a time to rest. Um, but if Jesus is with them, again, this is nothing to be overly concerned with, it would seem. Um, certainly a testament to the, the humanity of Jesus um, who can sleep through this, uh, this type of a storm. Uh, but the crowd's getting smaller. Uh, things seem to be, to be going fine. Um, you know, kind of like sitting back in a Sunday afternoon. But then, then everything changes. Um, you think, well, how, you know, how could a storm like this really sneak up on them so fast? Wasn't there any warning that this was coming? It's possible that they may have had some signs we don't know. But storms over the Sea of Galilee can be quite violent. They can, they, they can really swing through very, very quickly. Um, sea of Galilee is, is about 700 feet below sea level. Maybe some of you have studied some of this. And just 30 miles to the north, east, the Sea of Galilee, um, would be Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet above sea level. So you imagine the temperature change comes sweeping through those hills. It can could really stir up uh, these storms. Probably not you know, big thunder and lightning storms that maybe we see, but lots of wind, gale force winds uh, without warning. So the disciples, this comes in, they, they realize that, they are, that they're in trouble. This is beyond their ability to handle, even as very, um, those who are very familiar with life in the boat as fishermen. Um, so they're hit with this fear, fear of, of, of death, fear of forces beyond their control. Fear that threatens what they hold dear. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Probably without Dramamine. He was just that tired. Um, but Jesus, this is bad. This is really bad. You know, at least grab a bucket and start you know, bailing some of the water. Okay, we're going to die. Don't you care about this? Okay, when they say we're going to die, that, that included Jesus in verse 38, so they thought. I love how Mark records this because... You know, he really captures the, the desperation, the frustration. Um, you know, Matthew and Luke, they have, they have similar language, save us, Lord, but Mark doesn't hold back. He's like, we're all going to die, is, is, is the thrust behind that. Um, so how do we view the disciples' response to this? Um, how do we view our own response when we're faced with, with such great fear? I think that can be hard to evaluate until you've actually been there, maybe in the moment in that situation, uh, not, not until you're right in the grip of that fear do you actually know how you're going to respond. And yet, that response is going to come from something that already exists. When, when you're in that moment, okay, when you see the funnel cloud coming down or, or whatever that situation happens to be, you're not going to sort of study up at that point. How do I respond to this? What? No, that's, that's going to be based on what we already know, what we've already been through, what we already believe. So the disciples, uh, you wonder, did they have any faith at this point? Have they learned anything about Jesus? Now we can certainly say that they, they turn to the right person, they go to Jesus, 
in their fear, but they go to Jesus with this sense of abandonment. Like there's really nothing that he can do. He really isn't perhaps powerful enough to do anything in in the midst of this threat. Um, So if there's a faith there, it is very small. It appears almost non-existent. You know, a, a trustworthy answer to that threat for the disciples, a threat for us, must come from what we already know and believe. Has God abandoned them? Would Jesus really tell them to get in the boat, stay in the boat, and set sail only to all drown together? Um, I think maybe one of the things we learn from the disciples in this experience is that God's care for us, God's care for His followers it may take on forms that we would never expect. Um, in other words, it may appear you know, that God is resting. That He's inactive for the moment. Maybe He doesn't appear to be working. doesn't appear to be, to be speaking into what it is we're experiencing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it feels like a stagnation in your own spiritual journey. Maybe the church is struggling in some areas. We kind of, kind of feel like God is drawing us to this point where all we really can do is cry out, God, don't, don't you care? Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. With all that's happened this year, I seem to be going in and out of that place of fear. My own indwelling sin, accusations of of the evil one. I mean, that's more than enough to add to the anxiety, a genuine fear of what is going to happen. That's where the disciples are at. And then we get to verse 39, and everything changes. Jesus, who is a man who really gets tired, like you and I do, he begins to stir. You can almost picture him maybe sitting up in the boat, rubbing his eyes, sort of getting his bearings again. What this commotion is all about. And then he speaks. Um, he doesn't speak to the disciples. I'll think they're going to die. He speaks to the wind and to the water. Hush, be quiet. And all of the created order listens and obeys like that. So Jesus doesn't, he doesn't sit and pray for a minute. He doesn't spend some time you know, meditating on what's happening. He speaks and the very authority of His Word uh, stops the waters. There's this eerie calm. The church family, there is only one person only one person, all the Old Testament, who is considered the calmer of storms. Listen to the, uh, Psalm 107 here, parts of Psalm 107. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the ways of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. Who is in the boat? I mean, there's absolutely no mistaking here. 
the ruler of the ends of the earth, one who spoke the wind and the waves into existence, has to say but a word. And they listen. Yahweh's in the boat. The Holy One is just inches away from mortal man. Okay, we thought the disciples were scared at, you know, before this. In the Greek language, it says a lot, just a few words. There's just three words here. Literally, they were frightened with a great fear. Terrified. The very threat of death just seemed to be a warm-up compared to uh, the fear of, what they were, of, of who is now with them in the boat. Um, sort of matching this silence around them. You can hear them whispering, who is this? Who is this? That's the right question, don't you think? That's a question we are all faced with as we read you know, this, this miraculous event. The one who is so human in verse 38 is so divine in verse 39. Jesus, the God-man, has come to His people. He has come in power. We see this. We believe this. That He has the power to control all things. To include all those things that threaten you and me. I was going through this passage again this week. Just, I wondered if this wasn't the capstone exercise for the disciples. They've been listening to Jesus all day long. Talking about the kingdom and the power of God power of His Word to grow that kingdom. Hearing from the King Himself. Well, here's the test. Here's the exam. You know, do they believe what Jesus has been saying? Do they recognize Jesus for who He is? Does that mean anything when the storms come crashing? And they don't understand it yet. They don't understand and rest in the identity of Christ. And they're not going to do this until Jesus completes His mission. Um, even even a, a genuine and legitimate fear, it's corrected, it's, it's calibrated by faith. appreciate how one, one commentator defines the exercise of faith. He says, faith is placing a personal, childlike weight on God's existence presence and will. I'll say that again if you want to take a note. Exercise of faith is a personal, childlike weight on God's presence, existence, and will. God exists. He's present with us. His plan will prevail. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this over and over again. So much of God's Word is, is doing that very thing, reminding us. You know, an act of faith isn't passive, which sounds pretty obvious. What I mean is that an act of faith is continually thinking, continually considering who Jesus is and what He has done. And it must be continual so that when that threat comes, when we are faced with the greatest of fears, that foundation of faith is there. A faith that may be very weak at times, And yet it's a faith that is strengthened through our proximity to the Holy, to Jesus Himself. Um, Find some similarities between these verses, the experience of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. In this story, Jonah is sleeping in the boat, um, running away from the Lord's instruction to him, trying to do this. And so the storm starts to swirl around him. The sailors... You know, wake up Jonah, they toss him overboard, and what happens? The sea is calmed. 
And these, these pagan sailors, kind of like the disciples, you know, they respond in fear, but they also worship. They offer sacrifices to the God of Israel uh, while Jonah is spending some extra time praying inside this fish. But Jonah, Jonah is spared. He's actually, you know, he's tossed into the sea, but is delivered by God's grace to bring this message of hope, repentance to the Ninevites. We look to Jesus. Jesus was not spared as Jonah was. Jesus makes reference to Jonah in Matthew 12. He says, Just as Jonah spent three days and nights in the fish, so the Son of Man would be lifted up. So we see Jesus is the better Jonah. The faithful Jonah who was destroyed by the storm of God's wrath. So that you and I could be at peace. Jesus saved us from the storm. The storm of God's wrath. The only storm that has the power to really destroy us forever. So what we should fear the most, the holy wrath of God over our sin, Jesus has eradicated through His own shed blood. He gives us peace. As we believe this, we remind ourselves of this continually, that's when we can exchange these doubts and fears for faith. That when the storms of life come, and they will come, we've seen it, we're in it, we can rest in what God has done through His Son. He loves us, that He cares for us. He's present with us and we're safe. So as we were huddled in that crawl space, you know, underneath the house on that Sunday afternoon, we prayed together as a family, you know, not knowing what condition the house would be in uh, when we, you know, popped the, the... hatch on that crawl space uh, we knew the kids were frightened and so you know katie and i were trying to comfort them in our own fear um, and the lord graciously brought us through that storm without any pain without any damage um, that's not always the case you know sometimes sometimes there's great pain and sometimes there is sacrifice under, under the, the providence of God who calls us to follow Him, who calls us to rest in Him in life and in death. And so sometimes the places that we consider safe, like a boat or a living room or a job or retirement plan, um, they may not always be safe. Our very lives may be threatened. But the one who understands the threat one who has endured the greatest danger and gave his life. He's, he's not abandoned ship. He's not abandoned us. He controls all that threatens you, all that threatens me, and has the power in any and every situation. Um, so if what you're trusting in this morning appears to be falling apart, um, rest in the one who keeps your life. He is the ruler of the winds and the seas. The one who is with you in life will be with you in death. It's that that reality. May that grace empower us in the face of any threat, any fear, with faith in our God. Let's pray together.
Lord, we do ask You to deepen our faith. And You who are the Lord of all creation, who would come to us in our greatest need and rescue us, deliver us. Lord, we thank You for Your presence with us. Not just in these moments as we gather for worship, but at all times and in every place. You are near. And Lord, this would be a fear and such a fright if not for Your grace in removing, covering uh, Your holy wrath. Lord, we thank You for Your presence. We thank You that the Holy One of Israel, the Creator of the ends of the earth, is our God who knows us and loves us. And You keep us. We thank You in Christ's name. Amen.